0: Welcome back to Common Fan Commentary. I'm your host Adam. I'm joined by a very special guest today. Uh, we're bringing back New York Nick. How you doing Nick? I'm doing great. Glad to be back. Uh, how'd you like the nickname I just gave you to? Uh, not the first. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. This week we have the NHL season starting up again and so we're going to preview our picks for next Stanley Cup uh, what we're expecting from this season, kind of breaking that down. Kind of got a weird year again, thanks to you know 2020 Part 2. Uh, we're going to have another shortened season, unfortunately. Uh, it's only 56 games this year um, instead of the normal 80-82. Because of that, we're going to have to have a whole new division realignment because Canada has much more different rules when it comes to those protocol COVID protocols we have a bunch of new divisions now and a bunch of new division opponents so we're going to have an all canada division uh, just nature of hockey you got a lot of canadian teams so the north division is all of canada a lot of the other us teams seem to be pushed into divisions that they normally wouldn't be in like uh, the blues are in the west so they're going to have their a bunch of division opponents in california i think that's going to bring some uh, interesting division rivalries coming into this next year. So, we're just going to break down division by division. We'll start out East. Rangers, what, what are you expecting from this them this season?
1: Mostly more of the same from last year. Uh, we really saw some players start to blossom, play above their expectations a little bit when it came to uh, the younger players. Just more development this year is really what's going to be about. Obviously, they have, a, they have a lot of talent in their top six with uh, Panarin and Zibanejad and those two of the top sets can propel their offense to possibly get them another wild card playoff spot, uh, potentially. Uh, but the big story out of there is they got the number one overall pick. Thank you. <laughs> <rigged>. uh, <he, laughs> um, and uh, his name is Alexis Lafreniere. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. It is French-Canadian, so pardon me, I don't really pronounce French words that often. Uh, but he, uh, as of today, he has officially made the roster, so he will be playing. Keandre Miller also made the roster, which is their their star defensive prospect. High expectations from him. Uh, he impressed coming out of camp, so hopefully he can keep it up. But yeah, pretty much more the same from last year. Just more development, and the rebuild is heading in exactly the right direction. Uh, it it literally cannot be going any better than what they envisioned it. And
0: uh, Panarin definitely justified eleven million dollars per year. I thought going to be potentially a bust and kind of kick him in the butt down the road. But he was a blossoming star, and he finished third in MVP voting last year. And that really showed that the Rangers are in the right track. It's going to be really weird this season, though, that King Henrik Lundqvist in goal will not be in a Rangers uniform. He was going to be in a Capitals uniform, but unfortunately got forced into early retirement because of a open-heart surgery. So best of luck with him. But yeah, it's going to be weird not seeing Lundqvist out there on the ice.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be really weird. He's been the, the backbone of that organization pretty much since he's been drafted, um, and really came out of the scene. I mean, they had one cup final appearance in his tenure, but I mean that, that run they had was pretty much just all on him. They really didn't have a they didn't have a stout offense. Uh they played a lot of they played with a lot of speed, but you know, their offense wasn't very consistent. They had good defensive players, although their defensive system in place wasn't the best. And in the end, it just got too much for him and they just they couldn't stop the bleeding when they finally got to the cup final. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely strange. And, you know, they got a young goalie in net who has been playing two expectations so far. And he struggled a little bit last year in that uh, little play-in tournament against Carolina. But I think a lot of that came from just, you know, they don't really have an experienced head coach right now. He, he's in terms of the NHL, uh, he came from college into the NHL, so he's still learning too. But it's sad mostly because I, I really wish we could have seen uh, Henrik potentially get a
0: cup finally. Yeah, if anyone deserved it, especially with how clutch he was in Game 7s. I mean, there, I don't think there's another goaltender in the league right now who's as clutch in those Game 7s as he was. I do think that the Rangers as a whole are in the right direction, but I don't see them taking over the division anytime soon. They're, I feel like they're asking a lot. Of a lot of your young prospects that you mentioned, uh, like Capo caco we're still waiting for him to show us that he was the number two overall pick for a reason. And uh, I, I think it's going to take guys like that to step up, like Tony D'Angelo. We're still he's going to be taking on a bigger role. Not sure if I'm in love with him uh, leading your power play, and I, I do see them squeak, maybe squeaking in the wild card for sure. I mean, shesterkin's a great goaltender, and when you have a top six that's that good. Um, It's hard not to potentially see them in the playoffs at some point. Talking about the rest of the division, who's going to be your biggest surprise team? Mm -hmm. stack division with the Capitals, Bruins, Flyers, Penguins, Sabers, Islanders. I mean, these are all teams that made the playoffs in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. Uh, I I think uh, the Flyers. I think the Flyers finished first last year. I'm sorry, they finished second in the Metro last year. First was the Capitals. Um, I think the Capitals will win this division, aside from if the Bruins can recover from not having Pasternak for a month. And the loss of Tory Krug um, to right. free agency. Yeah, the only piece they added was, was Craig Smith, which was a was a depth piece,
0: but and they lost uh they lost Char to the Capitals. It's going to be a Bruins team that I can't wait to watch struggle a little bit. It is unfortunate that they start out without Pasternak. The surprise team that I think is going to make the next step this year is going to be the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, they got some solid pieces on all levels of the ice. I mean, they have an elite goaltender in Carter Hart, not even 25. A solid top three with Kurtier, Voracek, and Claude Giroux. They got solid depth in the wings um, and on defense. So I'm liking the Flyers from the East right now, especially because I'm just ready to root for someone who's not the Bruins.
1: Yeah, and they're getting a uh, former number one overall pick, Nolan Patrick, back
0: this year as well. So that top nine is going to get even stronger. Moving on over to the Central Division. Kind of weird that we're seeing some Florida teams down there, but uh, we have the Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Big storyline from them is they're going to be missing their Hart Trophy winner, MVP, Nikita Kucherov. And their lead point getter, he averages over a point a game he will be out with a hip injury for the entire year you know
1: it is a big loss uh without having uh kutrov there for the year but this is the same team that went the entire year last year pretty much without uh steven stamkos and i think a team that they're just they're so they have such a deep roster not only on on offense but on defense they re-signed Mikhail Sergachev and Anthony Sorelli, so they got the depth back on their defense and then a solid depth on uh, for their center position. And I'm not quite sure what the news is on, on Stamkos. I don't know if he's going to be fully healthy with starting the year, but they're just so they're so deep that their entire lineup can be dangerous. I don't think they're going to do as well as they would without Kucherov. As you said, he's, he's the reigning MVP. Uh, it's It's very hard to replace. 2019 MVP. Uh, All right, 2019. I do believe that they are going to win this division. Kind of a cupcake
0: division, to be honest.
1: Yeah, they got the Red Wings, who are projected to be last again. And they got the Blackhawks, who are on the bottom side of their dynasty, meaning that they're not going to be Especially losing
0: Jonathan Taves for personal reasons. They have no goaltenders. Yeah, they lost Corey
1: Crawford, who uh, actually went to the Devils and, and then just retired before he even played. Maybe they were a little smart letting them depart, but the tough matchups in here for the Lightning will probably be most likely the the runner-up for the Stanley Cup final, which is the Dallas Stars. Uh, so that's, uh, that's an interesting storyline.
0: Smacking them both in the same division the year after they play for the Cup. Yeah, the Dallas Stars... It's been interesting to see how well this team played in the playoff last year, especially with Jamie Ben, who used to be their you know number one point getter, like their their goal scoring machine. Uh, seeing him decline, and somehow the team got better. I mean, they their defense. Uh, they finally have someone with John Klingberg and Miro H- Haskinen, who he's an elite elite defender, and he's going to put up a lot of points. Uh, especially on the defensive side. So they got a strong team, and, I mean, they're bringing back same goaltenders, dynamic duo in Q Dobin and Ben Bishop. They're going to be very injury-rolled from net uh, to start the year, and that's a little concerning. But this division is honestly very subpar, which is kind of surprising with, like, how stacked the East is, and then the Central is just, like, pfft, nothing. Yeah, one team
1: not to, not to <clears throat> forget, though, is, is the Carolina Hurricanes. You know they have they've been they've had monumental improvement with Sebastian Ajo and Andrei Sveshnikov. Um, they're very dangerous. They got a solid goaltender. Oh, I'm sorry, they don't have a solid goaltender. That's their only issue right now is their goaltending. They're a very fun team. I expect them to compete in this division along with uh, most likely first, second, along with the Stars. Looking at the rest, because there's there's the Predators, the Panthers, and the Blue Jackets. I just don't see any of these other teams being able to compete with. The Lightning or the Stars and then uh, the Hurricanes uh, rounding out that top three in that division. It's not that solid of a division. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked if the Hurricanes are able to sneak into that two spot in that division.
0: Yeah, especially with the injury issues Stars are going through. I mean, they didn't have the cap space to make any big moves in the off season, So um, the only move they could really make was re-signing Kudobin. And uh, he's 34 years old. So it's just unfortunate that... They couldn't add anything to try to get them over the hump. They're just going to have to roll out the same core. Well, have, out west, the team that is definitely sticking out to me as favorites—it's got to be the Colorado Avalanche. When you have an MVP candidate and Nathan McKinnon, who I think is honestly like on par with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, and I think that the Avalanche—they got high expectations this year. They picked up a lot of veteran pieces, and like Nazem Kadri, Brandon Saad. They're bringing because their sec, their second point getter behind Nathan McKinnon, who scored pretty much a point a game last year. Their second point getter had forty, and that was Andre Burakovsky, who was typically like a third line center. Um, so they last year they just dealt with so many injuries. They still ran away with the division. I mean, it's just they're a scary team. If Philip Grubauer, their goaltender, can play at a decent level. I think this team is easy. Easy. I'm sticking them in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, they they do have really solid players on defense as well. Um, especially Kale McCarr. He's going to be the next Norris Trophy winner probably um, at such a young age, and he's such an elite such an elite talent. I, I got to put my favorites on all my bets on the Avalanche.
1: Yeah, so uh, yeah, entering the season, the Avalanche are actually the odds-on favorite to win the Stanley Cup as of right now. Of course, as the season progresses, that can change. But as you said, yeah, they've got the talent from top to bottom uh, to be able to run through this division and on the way to the Stanley Cup. It is going to be a little tough for them at the beginning – sorry, at the beginning – in this division because they do have to compete with the Blues and the Golden Knights, which are two perennial playoff teams. Golden Knights have never missed a playoff. Uh, Yeah. As fact, <laughs> it's really going be to between, be between those three teams. I think all three of those teams will be in the playoff. Uh, obviously, the top two and then uh, who's ever third will, I believe, have high enough points to be a uh, wild card. They are just solid, and I don't see them not finishing first in this division. If if the Blue—sorry, not the Blues. The Golden Knights with the addition of Alex Petrangelo and uh, returning Robin later. They'll probably give them the most run for their money. The Blues still strong. They're still going to be without to start the season, which gives me a little bit of.
0: They, worry play, with- they play better without him. Really? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, when they went on their Stanley Cup run, he was missing for most of it, and right. that's because they play they play a much more team oriented hockey. You know, he's just, he's kind of just that shooter that he puts up a lot of goals, yeah, but he just disappears in key scenarios. That that that's just what's happened to him at, over his career is whenever it's kind of like we need a goal, we need something to jumpstart the offense again, he kind of disappears in those series. And the lead during their Stanley Cup run, it was Jaden Schwartz. It's like, well, no, you want the superstar that you're paying all the money to be scoring that, but he wasn't. And honestly, last year, they would have probably had a deep playoff run if stoppage didn't happen and kind of ruin all their momentum. But they were without Tarasenko for most of the season last year. Maybe Tarasenko's not, not the guy. You, you got a solid top six, but I have a love-hate relationship with, with Tarasenko. Uh, I mean, I love it when he's good, but for me, he I just see him disappear so often.
1: Yeah, you're, uh, you're reminding me a lot of Rick Nash at that kind of comparison. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I do have to agree with you, though, that the Golden Knights, Blue's losing Petrangelo, and then now they're stuck in the division with Petrangelo. It's kind of slap in the face, but... I think the blues might struggle this year, just based on travel times. I mean you're looking at like typically over a year when you're when you play division opponents, those are only a couple hour flights, you know you have plenty of you know back to back games and you don't get a lot of rest and here that's that's just more time you're spending on a plane rather than in a hotel room getting proper sleep game prepared for a game. I think some of those intangible things. You know, the things you can't really see on the ice uh, might fatigue uh, the St. Louis Blues this year. So it'd be interesting to see if they can overcome that. Um, They also lost their perennial backup goalie in Jake Allen. And they don't have an option other than Jordan Bennington. And unless he goes on his rookie of the year Stanley Cup run, I don't trust the Blues to take this division. Um, I, I definitely see them as a two or three. A lot of things are working against the Blues this year, especially losing your captain, power play quarterback. But they did bring in Torrey Crew, solid addition. And Golden Knights are lucky that they got Petrangelo because that's a piece that makes that team go from pretty good to great. Uh, it's just a shame that Blues lost their guy um, to someone who's in their division. We'll head on up north to all our Canadian teams. Uh, we got the Jets, Flames, Maple Leafs, Oilers, Canadians, Canucks, and Senators. Um, and they're all just going to be playing each other up until the playoffs. First thing I will say is
1: I don't really care much for this division because <laughs> a Canadian team has not won the Stanley Cup since 1993. And I don't think another one's going to win this year again. <laughs> if I didn't have to choose a team to come out of here, um, I think the popular pick right now would be Toronto even though I still think they're overrated. I mean, this is, they, they got to put it together. They have three of the top, they have three players on their team that are top five in average annual value or AAV um, in Matthews, Marner, and John Tavares. So far, it's been pretty disappointing for them. Uh, um, they've been knocked out in the first round. So it's not voting well uh, so far for them. But, their competition, obviously, uh, the Oilers will be tough solely because they have Connor McDavid and the reigning heart winner and Leon Draisaitl. They're just going to be—that's an offensive juggernaut with those two. As far as the rest of the vision goes, I can see the Jets finishing third. I don't expect much from the Senators. I don't expect much from the Canucks, and I don't expect much from the Canadians. So I, the Flames, the Flames could make some moves. They they typically make the playoffs, so I'll give them that. But not gonna, I really don't think it's gonna be that entertaining of a division race.
0: The Oilers are, they're just so top heavy, right? They have like two of the best players in the league. The people they surround them with are average at best, and they, they're they gonna continue to go with Miro Koskinen and goal. It's not working, guys. Like, maybe someone else might be a better option. I, I don't know. The Oilers just kind of seem to be stuck in this rut of we're paying the top. Top guys, so much money it's hard to build around them, but it just feels like they're not getting the right guys for them, anyways. Uh, I, I'm expecting more of the Jets this year because they have some, they have probably one of the best top sixes in the league, top six forwards, they, and they have one of the best goalies, Connor Hellebuyck. So, I mean, with Kevin Connor, Nikolaj Ehlers, Patrick Line, Blake Wheeler, uh, they got some solid pieces. It's just, They've kind of been out of sorts ever since they lost Dustin Bufflin. He's been mulling over retirement for almost a year now, and he was kind of their backbone of their defense. And as soon as he said, "Ah, maybe I'll retire, maybe I'll be a free agent, uh, they haven't really been right. I think the Jets can be a scary team. Um, They just need defensive pieces to figure that out. Um, And the Flames, I honestly think they're going to be the surprise team. I mean, last year we saw Johnny Hockey, Johnny Gaudreau, Um, He had a very off year, not really par for his course, and I think he's going to make a big bounce back year. Matthew Kachuk is a rising star um, who gets in way too many fights, but, you know, got to love that kind of play. A scrappy kid from St. Louis, so, and they just got a goaltender who just had a career year in Jacob Markstrom, so I think the Flames honestly have a lot of great pieces to make a run. It's just hard to bet on their consistency. They're a very hit-or-miss team. And late past few years, it's been mostly miss. Yeah, the rest of this division is kind of laughable. It, it feels very... When it comes to all the divisions, I think the East and the West are definitely the strongest. Um, and then the North and the Central are very meh. Kind of a separate headline that um, I thought we just need to mention is Sharks forward Evander Kane who currently makes seven million dollars a year, filed for bankruptcy yesterday. Twenty-six point eight million dollars in debt.
1: Can they can they give him a few years? I think he's gonna his contract is uh what over thirty-two million? Yeah. <laughs> How do you go bankrupt? By that much. Oh, you know what it is? You know what it is. It's all those it's all those uh away trips to Vegas. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean that must be rough <laughs> having having them in your division. I feel like this is too common of an occurrence. Sharks as a whole, too. Let's let's talk about them a little bit. They are paying Eric Carlson and Brent Burns the most that defenders make in the league. They have a couple good players outside of that. They just can't build around paying guys who are defensive liabilities as defensemen because they're so shoot happy trying to get assist numbers and goal numbers so high that they just can't they can't do anything to build around it.
1: They are they are a pretty big disappointment. Uh, I know a lot of people haven't favorites except for the guy, Eric Carlson. It, it hasn't really worked out. Like you said, their they're defensemen are they're very offensive, more focused on uh, playing offense and playing defense, it seems, which it, it's good to have a mix, but when you have too many, you're, the rest of your defenders kind of suffer, um, especially when your defenders are playing f- up front when you're in your own, when you're in the offensive zone, uh it gives the team a lot of other opportunities to, to counterattack and once they turn over the puck and there's not really anybody staying back that's used to it, uh yeah, they're they're just disappointing ever since their their cut final run. They haven't really gotten back to where they
0: where they were. I mean, they, they signed all those core players to such lucrative contracts that they kinda got stuck in that conundrum of, well we can't let any of these guys go because they took us to the Stanley Cup final. Then Martin Jones just took a huge dip as a goaltending talent. They're they're going to be stuck until they can offload Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. Um, until they're off your off your books, uh, I don't see the Sharks going anywhere other than <laughs> where they've been at the bottom of the standings. What's your Stanley Cup final right now? Out of the East and Central Conference. I'll say that. <laughs> um,
1: I, I do think it's probably going to be the lightning coming out of it again. Um, I think the surprise team, even without really Kucherov, yeah, even without Kucherov. But if I had to choose a team that wasn't them to make it, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Flyers. Like you mentioned earlier, I think they're going to they're going to be even more solid going into this year, and they're just going to get better um, for the West and north i can already tell you it's not going to be a canadian team so i won't even mention <laughs> the north it's really it's really it's really just going to be the west conference uh <laughs> i think the, uh, the avalanche pulled all together this year i
0: think they make it and i think uh they're going to win the stanley cup i i'm sticking with my avalanche pick i think the golden knights will give them the best run like that's going to be the western conference final capitals even with a new goaltender and Ilya Samsonov and losing Brayden Holpe, I think that the top end talent that they have with Ovechkin, John Carlson, Kuznetsov, um, I think that I think they can make a run of it. And Samsonov, he's shown flashes of brilliance, but hasn't really been proven yet, hasn't been tested. Um, I think this year he gets that shot and he delivers. Well, one more team that I think that is worth mentioning is the Sabers. They're kind of my weird but possible team. They they remind me of the Tennessee Titans almost. Like they have their Derrick Henry, right? They have Jack Eichel. And then they got a Ryan Tannehill in Taylor Hall for a year. So I think they could be an elite team. They might be good. Sabres could have something to say come playoff time. They're definitely going to be my weird but possible team. And I'll put a pin in that and see how wrong I am later in the year. Last episode we talked all about the college football playoff. Now we have our results, Nick. You say that we were a little bit right about Notre Dame?
1: Uh, I think we were a lot of right about Notre Dame. Uh <laughs> as soon as as soon as Najee Harris hurtled that defender, it was, the game was over. Uh I don't think anybody expected anything different. They just they they're they're in a completely different class than even the other top programs, they they beat the crap
0: out of Notre Dame, and then like last night, they beat the crap out of Ohio State. I mean, that's kind of the fitting end, I feel like, is Bama, I guess, supported. They, they heard my argument of that you need to play more games to be deserving of a national title, um, but they showed it. They're elite class on both sides of the ball at every level of the field. I don't know if it had to do with Justin Fields being a tad banged up, but I think I think he was healthy enough to play that game as well as you could. It's still rough to see a, another blowout, and the dynasty continues for Bama. Nick Saban gets his seventh national championship, which I think he has a deal with some paranormal so- sources. Pat, how, how can you be that good? Um, he is the white devil. <laughs> it must be nice being a Bama fan. I mean, you, only, you, you lose like five times, and... A span of what five years, so just one storyline that, that I thought we mentioned today a little bit of an NBA action uh, with the season off to a hot start. We see Kevin Durant back from injury with the Brooklyn Nets, he's back to his usual form. But there's one Brooklyn Nets star that we haven't quite seen as much, and that's Kyrie Irving. So, Nick, where on earth is Kyrie Irving? So, uh, he's pretty much not playing due to
1: quote-unquote, personal reasons. Uh, we still don't know what those personal reasons are. Um, well, a little bit. He had, it was his father's birthday, so he he celebrated his, his his father's birthday with his family. Now, story coming out is there were a lot of people there, and he so he's technically broken the NBA's COVID protocols. So he couldn't even play today, even if he wanted to, or tomorrow, whenever their next game is. And he couldn't play for probably, I believe it's the next, 10 days, uh, even before then, before all that happened, he was just not playing because he said that he doesn't want to play. Which I don't know how that's not a breach of contract or why he's even guaranteed money if that's the case. But this is and then he just much got 10 fact- days off of work, yeah. This is <laughs> he's, he's a special person, so a, yeah, a, a lot really of the bad. media coming into this season about him, he's pretty much proven himself. Uh, He is probably the weirdest person in the NBA. It's frustrating because I know that if he was on a different team, let's say the New York Knicks, this would be the number one story for the past week since he's been off. And I have not seen, I've seen maybe one or two comments about it in total coming from the Nets. And I think we need to call him out on it because as of right now, it's a bad signing. He's not playing for them. They're not playing well. They, I believe they have a, if it's a, a they're, they're 500 in their record right now or they're slightly below it. Kevin Durant's playing well, but he needs his, he needs his number two guy out there, which is Kyrie, but he's not playing.
0: And I don't get, I, I, I don't get it. It especially hurts too, because they had the injury to Spencer Dinwiddie, who would be an amazing number two to Kevin Durant, uh, but he's out for a long time. Everyone's expecting Kyrie to be that guy, and it's it's a huge question on why he's not showing up. It's kind of like what is Kyrie trying to prove here? Um, is he trying to prove something, or is he just tired of basketball and wants to take a break? Who the only guy who really knows know. that is Kyrie. So, wait, do you see the Nets figuring this out and potentially making the playoffs still without him? No. Hey guys, future Adam here. This episode was recorded two days before the Brooklyn Nets traded for James Harden. So Nick is projecting what the Nets would be without James Harden and Kyrie Irving. So keep that in mind. Okay, back to the action. As of right now, no,
1: that is too big of a loss for him not to play. Um, and then again, I don't know if he's going to want to play consistently to even help them get a, a solid spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, there's, there's a lot of other teams playing well right now. Um, and I, they're not one of them. They're five and six. If they want to get back to that winning record, they they need him out there. And I don't really it, it puts. And it, I feel bad for Steve Nash because it puts him in a in a weird position. He's he's a brand new head coach, and one of your top players just flat out refusing to play because doesn't want to. So as of right now, uh, I'm going to say no. Uh, they they don't figure it out. I know they're a popular pick for the finals uh this year after they after their performances start but
0: they're not that good right now and it's honestly disappointing i feel like that team's been hyped up for so long just because that both their top two stars sat out with injury last year and this is supposed to be the breakout year and i'm not gonna lie they have some sweet uniforms this year but those don't do you much good if you're not getting wins Thank you so much, everybody, for stopping by. That is all the time that we have today. Thank you so much, Nick, again. Great to have you. Great to be here. And we will catch you next time.